0: Welcome back, everyone, to another incredible episode of Market Impact Insights, where the philosophy is that in business, it's all about making a positive impact every day. And with emerging technology and the power of connection, even with dispersed virtual workforces, few companies are banking on the long-term success by totally going it alone. And today, we're going to explore a topic we've touched on before on the podcast, And that's how to really harness the power of ecosystems to drive sustainable business success. Bottom line is, what's the equation behind making these ecosystems really work well? And we're fortunate to have not just one, but two global experts joining the conversation. Renee Bergeron is Senior Vice President and General Manager for AppSmart, which is the largest B2B recurring technology services marketplace in the world with applications and services from leading providers such as Google, Microsoft, AT&T, and Verizon. Renee is a proven leader and innovator in the channel and IT in the areas of strategy, sales, marketing, service delivery, and business development over the past 25 years, including previously serving as Senior Vice President for Global Cloud at Ingram Micro. Renee, welcome to Market Impact Insights.
1: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: And Renee, can you uh, tell us a little bit more about AppSmart?
1: Yeah, I'd love to. You know, at AppSmart, our goal is to make information technology globally accessible to businesses of all size. That's what's driving us every single day and we do that through a network of technology advisors that can help find buy and manage technology for their customers and we do this across a broad area of technology whether it's connectivity wireless software infrastructure we even get into devices managed services and recently energy services any digital recurring services Uh, we provide access to, for businesses of all sizes.
0: A lot of value there, a lot of connection. Looking forward to talking a little bit more about that. And our other guest today is Andrew Cantle, joining us all the way from the UK. Andrew is Chief Commercial Officer for Tidwit, the provider of a cloud ecosystems network. Andrew has more than 20 years of experience in tech scale-up missions He's taken on new paradigms and has built them out globally through a blend of both direct and channel models. He's done that across Europe, Australia, and the U.S. And Andrew is continuing to ride the wave of web, mobile, cloud, with a watchful eye on artificial intelligence now, too. Andrew, it's great having you on the program. Dan, thank you for having me. So, Andrew, uh, talk to us a little bit more about uh, what Tidwid is
2: yeah so we we call TidWit an ecosystems network um, and what we're doing is enabling organizations to connect easily to each other more easily than they may have historically done so they can share knowledge and content uh, and our platform's really helping users to access sales and marketing and enablement type materials from their most important vendors directly into their domain and I think that's the new paradigm here so you know uploading into their learning management system and the like, that's the key. If it's their domain, they're more likely to become uh, engaged because the problem we solve is that the traditional approach of having to go to a big central vendor portal somewhere to get content uh, is breaking down somewhat, I think, as ecosystems evolve. Um, So they they can be improved upon. Um, And often users need to access multiple vendors' materials regularly. So it's not efficient really to send these users en masse to centralised portals Uh, And so those engagement users can be slightly low. Um, So at Tidwit, nowadays, we have some very large partners connected to our network. Once you architect your ecosystem in this more democratized way, there are tons of benefits from partners being able to view actionable metrics to launching apps and ultimately enabling a lot of those manual type processes to be automated nowadays. I think we really need this model shift to match the way organizations want to work together now.
0: Fascinating, both efficiency and effectiveness. So looking forward to talking a bit more about that and a good place to start. You know, both of you have worked in the technology sector and the channel for a long time. There's a value on strategic alliances within technology. And I'm curious how you have seen there be a shift and an evolution in the way companies together evolve. Renee, what's your perspective on that?
1: Yeah, um it's a fascinating topic. I remember um uh, ten years ago as we were introducing cloud solutions into the channel, there was a real fear uh by uh technology advisors of disintermediation, right? If an end customer had uh access to an e-commerce solution where they could uh, order and provision their cloud services. What was going to be the role of a partner of a technology advisors in the future? And I think if you fast forward to today, the technology advisors is um, more required than ever. Um, it, you you know a, a business is facing a multitude of options, all of them coming you know at them every single day through digital marketing. And it's very uh, difficult for a business to understand which solution would, will really meet its need. And that's where the technology advisor comes in, right? Helps them find the right solution, Mm -hmm. helps them integrate and customize it. And I think they're, um, they're more, um, needed than ever. Um, what we're seeing, though, is that um, technology advisors that um, used to focus on a subset of solutions are really being challenged to expand beyond their limited set of solution they worked on, because the businesses are wanting uh, to work with fewer and fewer advisors. So it's forcing advisors to embrace a greater set of technology. And that, I think, is the challenge for technology advisors today.
0: Yeah, it seems like the whole uh, what, the, the needs evolution and then how do you adapt and then efficient delivery and support of those services is uh, is really, really key. And Andrew, I know that Tidwit works with a lot of global technology providers. What, what have you seen in terms of their evolving needs here uh, recently uh, in terms of how to connect and be effective in ecosystems?
2: Yeah, quite. And uh, you know, my perspective here, I don't think day to day you'd notice any shift, but I can certainly across 20 years see a couple of themes uh, evolving um, and that's you know my my position has all been working within strategic alliances and channels so that's my perspective on on this one uh, so the first thing i've definitely sensed is a uh, appetite for collaboration which it sounds kind of fundamental but it's kind of important the very tone of partnerships it's less about one key player in the value chain dominating that conversation as i think it used to be it seems to be a lot less power play and more of a sense of combining forces nowadays so really seeing a larger desire to work together I think I'm saying you know versus classic almost vendor procurement type meetings that I found myself in even in strategic alliances 20 years ago where parties wouldn't share data and information as it felt too valuable and too secret whereas now I think we've we've worked out that if you share what you know then as a partnership you can do better for the customers and ultimately for ourselves so not really sure why that shift occurred whether it's Generational and just the personality types involved nowadays, or we've just had enough of these group experiences to know that if you opt for closer, more open collaboration, then you're going to lead to better results. Uh, Either way, it's been refreshing to be part of that shift in thinking. Uh, And then the other thing, which is inextricably linked, is the evolution of the tech for collaboration. So it's simply easier nowadays to work together, and that's what we're seeing uh, in our in our partner base. So especially as our missions have become less regional and more global and larger in scale to manage, you can't be everywhere all the time around the world talking to thousands of users. And technology's stepped up to plug that gap and it's getting better day by day. So I remember when Skype came out, um, that's probably about 2003 or something, and that was a complete wow moment for me. Uh, I didn't have to travel quite as much, although I'm still relatively old school. Um, uh, and And then sharing documents on the screen. And then working together on the same document in the cloud, and then you know, we're moving into this world now of automated processes that have been manual for way too long. So step by step, I think these technologies have taken the pain away from working across different companies, and that means we're more likely to do it and to do it well. Uh, so in connection with my previous point about sheer appetite for collaboration, I think it's perfect timing for ecosystem technologies to really take off now.
0: Removing pain points, that never goes out of style. That is high value add. And, Renee, in thinking about ecosystems, you know, I've seen different models. And one way to think about it is really to think in terms of three components. There's the strategic alliances we we referenced earlier. Uh, There is enablement. How do you enable the parties inside of those ecosystems to – distribute knowledge and and, and basically create business connection and and drive their business. And then there's this uh, dimension of transactions and data. And you have deep experience in the cloud. A recent macro trend has been this, this enormous move to the cloud. And I'm curious your perspective on how that has helped really transform the effectiveness of those transactions and the availability of data in the delivery of services inside of healthy ecosystems.
1: Yeah, I think, um, we've definitely seen, um, a lot of, um, solution emerging that facilitate the transactions and the data, you know, within ecosystem. I, I, in my personal views, the, the transaction and the data is actually the easy part of the equation. Uh, the, the real, um, challenge is to look at the entire um, you know, the, it almost like a TCO perspective on the value of not only the, the transaction and data, but the alliance and the enablement. Um, the, the enablement for me is key for, um, technology business owners. Uh, Because you you can't operate on your own today. If you think of the breadth of solutions that are out there, you you don't have the ability of having, uh, you know, product sales specialists uh, that not only understand the product, but also understand the program from that providers. Then you need a multitude of sales engineers, the training, the certification and then all of the the go to market uh, collateral. So you need to really establish um, partners that within the ecosystem that are going to help you with uh, enabling all of the capabilities from marketing, selling to delivering and supporting. So that's kind of a first aspect uh, for me. That's very important. The second aspect, and it's back to the alliance again, you know, we're seeing a shift in in the market, um, you know, where uh, technology business owners who in the past may have preferred working directly with providers are actually now moving away from that strategy to work with uh, a single or, or a very few, um, number of aggregators. And what that allows them to do is to really focus on their customers, on customer acquisition, on demand generation, and on servicing, you know, that, that customer. So they're relying if you want on, uh, partners on the back office, so they can fully focus on uh, the front office, um, and the benefit they get from doing that obviously is that through a few connections, they actually are connecting through thousands of organization, and they're gaining the, the capabilities, the competencies that, that are required. So um, we're definitely seeing uh the the enablement shift through partners, whereas in the past, you know, it was focused a little bit more within the company. The second aspect I'm seeing also is it's not only in terms of the supply chain and, and the catalogs and the, and the solution they take to market. It's also in how they deliver the solutions to their end customers. So I talked earlier about, you know, the need for, um, helping to find the right solution, but then, you know, migrating, customizing and integrating. So if you think about, um, Uh, a a business leader, a business technology leader who is um, trying to help their customers solve a business problem, there could be a multitude of, of solution and technologies involved in solving that business problem. And they can't be expected to have the specialist for the migration or for integrating with other apps that that business is running. And so they need to not only rely on an ecosystem that includes various provider, they also need to rely on an ecosystem that includes a network of professionals that bring the competencies that they can use as an extension of their own capabilities to service their customers.
0: That's a really interesting aspect. It's not just the framework of uh, the the dimensions we talked about, but when you talk about competencies and and that's where we're talking about results, right, in terms of ensuring uh, getting uh, the results that you want.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, at the end of the day, it... Success for for me is defined by the end customers adopting the technology, right? If you're a technology business leader, uh, you want your customer to be adopting the technology because um, that's how you get long-term value out of the relationship with your end customer. And there's no way you can do this with the multitude of solutions out there today without having a strong network, a strong ecosystem behind you.
0: Yeah, that is so true. And Andrew, Renee mentioned the importance of enablement, you know, as part of the whole uh, ecosystem model, and it's a key ingredient. Can you talk a little bit more about what you've seen in terms of the challenges that ecosystem partners are facing in this whole area of enablement? And, and what are some of the options they have to, to really get long term sustaining solutions?
2: Yeah, sure thing. So I completely agree with Renee there. Enablement is absolutely vital to get these ecosystem partners lit up and ready for action and selling and hopefully delighting customers. So what, what we've seen uh, in the market is that ecosystem players, as I think of them, can struggle with enablement. Uh, and I think mainly that's because the old models of sharing content and knowledge or the weaponry they need. Uh, between organisations tends to break down when you try to go global and at speed and at scale, which is, of course, exactly where we're all uh, going nowadays. So, so for example, in the original way of doing things that I mentioned, where some large vendors have got portals and universities in place, which are no doubt full of rich sales and marketing and enablement type content, that tend to achieve relatively low engagement rates from partners actually visiting, you're asking reps and sales engineers to come to your domain and access content, and there's a, there's a ton of friction in that process because they need credentials or single sign-on if that's possible, and they're not sure how or when they should visit. But Perhaps more frustratingly from an enablement perspective is that all of the metrics of what your users are then up to are stuck in a portal somewhere. So the channel themselves often don't have the information necessary to help with their own employees to become successful, which is one of the pain points that um, we seek to solve and we're obviously hearing from our customers. So if I bring in my experience at uh, Tidwick, you know, we're advocating for a shift in that model uh, during which everybody benefits from those traditional monolithic approaches, the big single partner in the middle, To this ecosystem network approach. So if we can move organizations into a network, usually with a single connection each, then content can be delivered into their world, into their domain, into the channel. uh, And that creates way greater engagement and, uh, and enablement. And it's early days, but this is happening now. We've got some of the world's biggest GSIs on board, the Accentures and the Capgeminis, you know, companies that have to operate at scale. And vendor contents being consumed within their platforms for enablement and and other workloads, marketing and the like. It's all internal, um, and we're seeing pretty huge numbers as a, as a result. Our average partner is enabling up to thirty thousand users, you know, and that, that number's growing. And that seems to be about five or six times what they were expecting when they were required to go to a to a portal. Uh, so although there's lots of stuff that we're, we think will come out of an evolution in in ecosystem cloud technologies. Uh, Enablement seems to be a natural early winner when you're trying to do stuff at scale. Yeah, some great
0: examples in there. And something that we touched on earlier is just with rapidly evolving technology, the business processes and the tools that are available for the companies inside of these ecosystems actually work better together. I mean, that's, that's real. It's here. And I'm curious, Renee, what do you see as some of the positive impacts from this continuing rapid adoption of emerging technologies. Artificial intelligence, we touched on that at the very beginning. That might be one, but what do you see as the key for how the the channels and these partners can best harness new uh, technology capabilities?
1: There's some really um, exciting technologies that are starting to get some traction, some significant traction, I should say, uh, with channel partners. Um, a couple that I'll focus on, um, you know, uh, robotic process automation solutions are um, super exciting, RPA. Um, and we're seeing an explosion. You know, if you think specifically about a channel partner, a managed service providers, um, they're looking at leveraging RPA technology to automate some of their standard operating procedures, um, which uh, makes them much more reliable, which gives them an ability to uh, increase their margins and manage a broader set of customer with the uh, the same staff. So there's some really innovative um, things that managed service providers are, are doing today with uh, robotic process automation technology. Super bullish about that one. Um, there's also some really exciting. Um, uh, solutions being developed by partners using uh, machine land, uh, learning. I'm seeing a lot of it around call centers and contact centers. Um, obviously, chatbot um, is, is probably where, um, where most partners start, but it's a great place to start. And we're seeing a lot of machine learning applied also in uh, e-commerce Um, solution. So I think that um, it just opens the door to a ton of creativity to help their customers um, really differentiate in their market. And I, I often get questions from partners or channel partners that are saying, you know, where do I begin this new technology? I don't have the expertise on hand um you know it's complex and my advice is always kind of start small and experiment and and learn because if we wait to figure out the 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 entire thing you know then the the wave is going to pass us by um you know a case in point is uh, what we've been doing we're experimenting with some machine learning around the selection of solutions on our marketplace Um, and you know learning what solutions are integrated with what what other solutions and how does the combination service specific industries or use case so we're starting to experiment with that and it's um, it's pretty interesting um, the 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 results that uh, that we're finding
0: and renee as you, you know this continuous learning journey you talked about which i think is is spot on i mean that's that, that just that's that's real that's kind of how things kind of embed over time but are there any hurdles in terms of or, or blocking uh to to this adoption or do you think really now we've got wide recognition you know out in the channel and and everyone's ready to just jump jump all in on some of these emerging technologies
1: no i think it's still early days i think it would be uh it would be an exaggeration to say that everybody's um ready to jump in. I think the biggest hurdle um and it's totally understandable is you know the capability to invest in new technology ahead of the curve. So if you think about you know a um a technology business leaders who's running a good business and all of a sudden needs to get you know, engineers that um, have machine learning experience and competencies, um, you know, it's um, quite an investment to make. So this is where, again, you know, the power of ecosystem <laughs> come together um, where, you know, a, um, a technology business leaders can leverage a, a partner that has these capability that can jointly deliver the first few engagement and you know uh, learn uh, through deliveries. So um, again, another example of how going at it on your own can be quite challenging. Whereas if you can harness the capabilities of a broad network, um, then you can accelerate uh, much faster. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and Andrew, because ecosystems are global, and you touched on this earlier, just the scalability, right? You know, huge scales to the tens of thousands of users, right, in terms of consumption of content and and other uh, workflows, because of that size and the desire for accountability and visibility, Um, And and the way to get that is really through performance metrics. The need for that is really, really huge. Uh, I'm curious, how do you see that best being achieved?
2: Yeah, it's surprising um, how little visibility some alliances have to their own metrics. And I actually think that's always been the case. I've obviously been surprised for 20 years now. But, you know, especially in advance of sales numbers, often the first time you know the degree of success you'll achieve is when revenues do or sadly do not do not happen, but it feels like you can do better than, than that. So in terms of the architecture we're building to, to serve that better visibility, you know, when, when you adopt this network approach, you can provide line of sight, metrics, visibility to all your partners so they could see, for example, consup- consumption metrics, which is kind of important if you've got 30,000 people being trained and certified and eating through content that's going to make them better. So that helps vendors know which partners are go-to-market ready which ones might need doubling down on or a bit more help or something and then um, that should give the vendors more science about how they could allocate MDF so marketing development funds for example and then on the channel partner side of the of the mission of the ledger um, they can also better understand the level of knowledge and readiness of their own staff so as I saying a tidbit we're talking about tens of thousands of users accessing the platform in each company and the great news is when we when we acquire that level of data uh, we can offer some really powerful metrics and reporting to our partners based on stuff they want to see so all, all naturally gdpr compliant and, and anonymized but you know we can look at things like benchmarking between partners so you know where you sit in the industry which is kind of useful kind of global gamification if you like and then predictive analytics which is really handy so uh, a partner could work out how best to train a particularly large group of people on a particular subject matter or when exactly they could release a marketing campaign into what channel for what result that's the kind of stuff you can do with the big data that we uh, we amass so a whole host of really useful metrics that might otherwise lie hidden deep within a vendor portal somewhere and never get acted upon so you know these are available now uh, the players in the ecosystem can all have the information that they need to make better informed business decisions and uh, again the philosophy is that all players in the ecosystem can benefit, so I, I'm hoping that everybody moves in in this direction. Yeah, there is something really
0: powerful about having access to real data, quantifiable um, results, and then the ability to really course correct, right? In in yeah, some cases where it's needed. Absolutely. So, yeah. So now we come to the part of the podcast where we get our crystal balls out. And we're looking to the future. This is something uh, I've asked a lot uh, of various guests, and that's looking ahead. And in this case, thinking about the future of ecosystems and how companies really do work together for long term success. What gets you the most excited? Renee, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Um, There's a lot of things that get me excited in general about the futures of ecosystem. But I think um, when I think about it for channel partners, Uh, The thing that gets me the most excited is probably the ISV ecosystems that are emerging. Um, You know, if you think about it, Salesforce.com was probably the first one um, to uh, emerge as an ecosystem, and today they've got about 3,000 applications that are um, integrated into Salesforce, and then obviously the hyperscalers are heading down that path. I think... um, Amazon's got um, several hundreds of thousand, as does Microsoft between Azure and Dynamics 365. Um, but I think the ones that are probably the most easily accessible and uh, exciting for channel partners are the ecosystems that are forming around Office 365 and around G Suite. Uh, So Microsoft and Google's uh, productivity solution. We're seeing a ton of SaaS solution, a ton of ISVs develop software apps that are integrated uh, with either Office 365 or G Suite. And I think this presents a tremendous opportunity for channel partner because um, they can pick uh, ecosystems, develop competency into that core anchor solution that's at the middle of that ecosystem, build the competencies in it, and then um, cross-sell and really get a bigger share of their customers' wallet and, and really develop comprehensive solutions for their their customers. So that's probably um, one of the uh, most exciting things, I think, that in front of Channel Partner, you know, this year and, and next year.
0: Yeah, there's a lot to get excited about there and what you were talking about. And Andrew, what are your thoughts looking ahead at the future? What's really getting you excited?
2: Yeah, I think it's similar to, to Renee's point there, better customer outcomes are going to be achieved when when solutions can be pulled together from various vendors. It's really just a single vendor now that solves your pain point. So you can leverage expertise in certain areas and bundle them all together. So ecosystem technologies should let us do this to the benefit of the customer in an increasingly seamless manner. That's the plan. So that's what ecosystem technologies could ultimately deliver, and I think we're well on the way. So, as an industry, we're working hard to smoothly bundle up those various components that a particular company might need to be successful, a particular business, and and serve it up for them through through a channel uh, wrapped up with adoption and onboarding and training content, like we mentioned earlier. And then you're letting organizations solve their pain points and hopefully prosper, you know, in, in one go. So I should imagine companies like Renee's AppSmart as the marketplace experts and with with our ecosystem network expertise can can work together to ensure that that future. Uh, And either way, it's a fun movement to participate in.
1: Definitely.
0: A lot of potential, no doubt about that. And so a final question is whether you have any additional advice. So think about leaders uh, in the technology space uh, that are, are trying to do the things that really position themselves Best for long-term success, what would you advise them? Anything else come to mind, Renee?
1: Um, yeah, and I've touched on it a little bit throughout the podcast, but it's um, to expand beyond The current set of offerings. Um, I think that historically, partners have been um, been operating within a subset of technology solutions. It's worked quite well. The market was very fragmented, and the partner had a different label on it. It was either a reseller or a telco agent or maybe a system integrator. And um, the reality is that. With today's technology, um, we're actually seeing uh, and and the demand from, from businesses to work with fewer partners, we're seeing partners expand in becoming a a full-spectrum technology providers for their customers. And, you know, I really encourage all partners to expand beyond their current solution. And, you know, the way to do this is to be part of an ecosystem that can support you um, as you're expanding into uh, new solutions. Um, I, I think it's a real risk for partners that don't do this uh, because others are doing it, and as they do this, they'll be shutting um, they'll be shutting other partners from from their customers. So um, I, the, the partners today really need to expand and aim at becoming a full technology breadth providers.
0: That's a really good point. It's all about competitiveness as well, and so um, definitely uh, something the partners need to be thinking about. Andrew, what about you? Any other advice for business leaders?
2: Yeah, hopefully laying just like a, a fundamental path to what Renee was saying. I mean, I, because my perspective has been all uh, two decades of being within strategic alliances and bringing joint offerings to market. So strangely, despite everything I've said today about speed and scale, the most successful plays I've seen are when those companies focus around a starter use case or a specific product or a market. So really, I'm just saying, you know, don't don't boil the ocean initially. Um, certainly have a picture of Nirvana and where this thing can go but build momentum around something small and defined and specific and then then go to town then grow it rapidly Um, and that approach just seems to lead to better outcomes in the long run so the best partnerships right in the middle of an ecosystem that i've been involved with over the years seem to happen in a few phases not immediately could literally be a 36 month track but then they were ultimately successful and sustainable so i kind of believe in that philosophy yeah,
0: sounds like the value of proactive planning, right? In a series of stages uh, that get you to the end point.
2: Yeah, don't don't start small and stay small. Just know that it's the first of three or four stages that you've got. Get your proof point, use your ecosystem to get out to market, and, and then obviously double, treble, treble, quadruple down and take over the world.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes a lot of sense. So ecosystems clearly are here to stay. Uh, they're continuing to thrive, and the future is looking really, really bright with the emerging technology we talked about today. Renee and Andrew, thanks so much again for joining Market Impact Insights and sharing your knowledge and excitement for the future.
1: Thank you, Dan.
0: Yeah, no worries, Dan. That was great. Thanks. And a reminder to make sure to always visit marketimpactnow.com for the latest In business leadership perspectives. So long until next time.